egotistical, so unpredictable Here on the SNL Network Yes, hello everyone and welcome to the final patron feedback show of 2021. It is hard to believe that we are at the end of the year and I have to tell you that I have had so much fun on these patron feedback shows this year, getting to interact with many of you from the community that I haven't had a chance to talk to prior has been so much fun for me. It's really great to meet all these different SNL fans from around the world. So I really appreciate everybody who has come on for these shows with us throughout the first half of season 47, as well as anybody who's joined us in the chat throughout the week. And I know it's not right after the SNL episode, but there's still so much to talk about as we finish one SNL episode and look towards the next. And joining us is the great Carlos Rodella. Carlos, how are you? I'm great. I mean, I mean, I know you just said I'm great. I don't think I've been introduced like that before, but now I'm the great. Yeah, it's a, it's a staple in the podcasting world for me to introduce you as the great. So, um, Carlos, thank you so much for joining us. I've been really looking forward to this one because I know that you have a background in podcasting as well. So just to be able to, you know, talk shop with you and get your thoughts on everything we're doing at the SNL Network, it is really wonderful to have you on the show. Hey, it's awesome to be here. Uh, we were talking pre-show and how I found your whole SNL network. And I was just so excited. I was going through YouTube and I was like, wait, a bunch of people are going to talk about SNL. They're going to be as nerdy as I am and about every episode. So I was just so excited that you are all doing this and I just had to be involved in some way. No, well, yeah, for sure. And thank you for your support. And of course, if you want to be a part of our Patreon community, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash the SNL network and join our community. And then you can come and talk to me on a patron feedback show and some of our other patrons as well. So uh, we're going to be, you know, matching patrons up together throughout 2022 and having more than one patron on a patron feedback show to continue to get our community to get to know each other even more and call in. Uh, those are just one of the perks of becoming a patron of the SNL network. Okay, Carlos, I'm so excited for you to tell the listeners about your history with SNL. So please let everybody know how you came into the show. Yeah, I mean, I've been watching SNL since I was a kid, and I'm older than I look. So that was a long time. <laughs> um, yeah, I watched it forever. And uh, I've always been a fan. I'm a sketch comedian, and I'm stand up. So I do comedy as well. And I do podcasts. So it just makes sense to, you know, talk to you about comedy on a podcast. But yeah, I think I really feel like Kristen Wiig, Bill Hader, Fred Armisen, Maya Rudolph, that whole year or years is the one that speaks to me the most. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of it, maybe in the, the style of humor. Um, I just love Bill Hader to death and and just that whole like John Mulaney writing for them and stuff. That was probably my most like connected time with the show. Um, but I really like what, what's happening with it now as well. Uh, and yeah, I grew up with like Phil Hartman and you know, Chris Farley and all the old school. But uh, I think you've mentioned on the show before, like, you know, what is the best season? It's impossible. Like, I just, I think. Oh, if I have like... a take on this. Oh, you yeah. do actually have an answer. Okay, I never do. mind. Yeah, there is. I, I think there's eras, obviously, that everybody feels are stronger than others. But I do feel like there is one season in particular that is the greatest oh, season. Oh, wait, but... maybe I didn't know that because I didn't listen to that that moment okay. in the podcast and you'll tell me I well guess. my my take is season 32 is the best season and it has a lot of the people that you're mentioning so i think uh, we're, okay we're, we're really uh, on the same page about this we're on the same page same wavelength yeah um but i think what i was getting at is that it's the sketch series itself the fact that it lasted so long and it's still going that's what i love about it i just love that there's a place on the planet in this country where people come together to make comedy and to like look at society and reflect it like a mirror 
and it's just so cool. Like, so that's, that's my favorite part of it. Yeah, it, it is really cool. And uh, just the fact that there's just like so many different types of people that can relate to it and are interested in it for a variety of reasons. I, I think that's what, you know, makes everybody uh, love the show so much is just that uh, it, it speaks to you in different ways, whether you have a background like yourself in, you know, making sketch comedy or like making sketch comedy, perhaps on TikTok, which you're, I'm sure you're going to be yes, talking I, about as well. I will. Yeah. So. So I think it's just, it's really cool that we get to connect with all these different people. So Carlos, uh, you mentioned you were a podcaster. Please let the listeners know what you podcast about. Yeah. So one of the podcasts I just brought back uh, kind of from the dead because it was uh, gone for a while, but I just found a small studio and I'm redoing it. It's called the A Lot of Things Podcast. And we talk about all things entertainment. We mentioned this show on the podcast. Um, And then um, we talk about, you know, just issues that we get into like our, you know, Things people are talking about right now. Um, we talked about Dave Chappelle's uh, The Closer, and I, we had a lot of thoughts about that. So it skews comedy and entertainment, but then we go on tangents. Uh, that's called the A Lot of Things podcast. And then I co-host uh, a video games podcast called the So Video Games Podcast. Uh, cool. And that is a weekly podcast as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So where we're at in the SNL season, Carlos, is, you know, we just wrapped our first half of the season. Obviously, it wasn't an end to the first half that everybody wanted, uh, both on the show and in the community. But, you know, the, the season, as we spoke about on our roundtable a couple, a couple of days ago, has had a lot of positives, probably more than people thought. You know, there was some hesitation and some unexpected twists and turns along the way with, you know, people not leaving when we originally expected them to and then bringing on a lot of new folks who ended up really shining very early on. So uh, it was a very interesting first half of the season. And I would love to know how you feel so far about season 47. Yeah, it's a mixed bag. I mean, I was going back through for one of the questions we'll be talking about later from the audience. Um, on like, what are your favorite sketches? And there wasn't a lot. And I love this show. You know, I love this show, but there weren't like a ton to pick from. And so I think it's obviously with the last episode that we'll talk about as well, Paul Rudd, not really being an episode, it feels like there was like less SNL for this first half. And there was less SNL. That's great. Hashtag less SNL. Um, And yeah, I just don't know how I feel because there's moments of awesomeness. I get to see you know, the new cast, um, the, you know, the, the bit players coming out, Sarah and Aristotle killing, just destroying on, on Weekend Update. And you see like new, new blood and new writers, but at the same time, not a lot is like destroying me, you know, when it comes to comedy. Okay. Yeah. And that, that wasn't a comment on Please Don't Destroy. No, no. I don't know puns. I'm not even trying. Okay, sorry. Okay, <laughs> call this the pun cast. We'll, we'll call this the pun cast. <laughs> Exactly. Um, so, okay. So that's interesting to you. So I'm curious why you feel though it's not uh, not hitting for you as strongly as maybe some other people. Because I've had guests on the show that are like, "Wow, I'm in love with what we're getting to see here. It's totally really? progressing and getting to a point that we feel is is moving forward." But for you, uh, why do you feel that it's not? Well, you know what? First off, and I've watched all your guys' shows as well. Like the the uh, hosts. I mean, that's a big part of it. Like. Uh, I haven't said this yet on your show, but I love Billie Eilish and I love what she did on that episode. I thought she brought energy and joy and like obviously her music I love as well. But, um, you know, it's not a traditional host that's going to like knock it out of the park and each skit's going to destroy. Pun intended. (laughs) But then you had like Owen Wilson and I feel like he fumbled a bit. And and then um, what's his name? Um, Jonathan. Jonathan Majors, yeah. Jonathan Majors, yeah. And I just was really 
that that episode made me feel awkward. Like I didn't like much of anything in that. So I guess maybe it's just the host is is a big part of it. And that really does, you know, move the episode. And, and as you know, like we've been studying it for a long time and watching all of them. When you have a great episode, like front to back, lots of times that's the host because that host will come in with the energy and an energy. I'm a performer. Like when you create things on stage, who's around you lifts everybody up, you know, and that's why people like Paul Rudd so much and didn't get to see him, you know, is because certain people can come in. Will Ferrell can come in. People can come in and you're like, whoa, Sudeikis just did it. And that was an amazing episode. But, you know. If you don't have that, then sometimes it can fall flat, I think. Yeah, I think that what's cool about this season, though, is that in the episodes that are generally well-received, they're well-received for different reasons. And I think that the great example of what you're talking about is the Sudeikis episode. That's like what I always describe as the Justin Timberlake thing that when you know he was a host that I think is the host that I have just, every time he's on the show, it's magic. And Jason came in and he showed everybody why he's one of the greatest cast members of all time because he elevated the show but i think there's other examples example the kieran culkin episode where i didn't feel that kieran elevated the the show but the show elevated kieran and the fact that the the show was able to do that at times is something different than probably what we've seen in the last two or three seasons that's a very good point actually and i didn't think about it until you just said it because yeah the kieran episode was kind of rough with him but there was some really good sketches and strong things so yeah i think i mean hey I'm a fan of the show and I want them to succeed at all times, but I'm also, you know, kind of hard on them. It's almost like I'm i I'm from originally from New York and we just hate our Knicks. <laughs> like we just hate them with a passion. Um, but we can't New Yorkers are obsessed with their Knicks. I thought that was the whole thing. We're obsessed and we hate them at the same time. We're like, okay. do better. We all, and they've been bad for a long time, but you know, it's kind of that way. It's almost like it's, a, I feel okay to be able to like dog on SNL a little bit, but, yeah, I, I want them to win. I love a lot of the new people that are in the in the cast, as well as uh, like your egos destroying right now. And um, yeah, I think a lot of people are stepping up. So it, it goes back and forth. At the end of the day, though, if I look at the first half of the season, still nothing like really, really made me, you know, laugh a lot. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about what happened this week, which was uh, yes. crazy. It was really nuts. So, uh, I mean, we've covered it. We talked first on the Hot Take Show about everything that happened and, you know, how our interpretation of the sequence of events that led to SNL deciding to do this stuff. We did evaluate it with some of our panelists on the roundtable as well, should they have gone in one direction or another. But, Carlos, I'd love to ask you, I mean, you turned on SNL on Saturday night. It's obviously not the SNL you expected to see. What were your thoughts on it? Yeah, man, I have so many thoughts. I'll try to condense them. Uh, We have an hour, right? (laughs) Um, We'll go as long as you need. Yeah. Well, oh, geez, Louise. Well, by the way, thank you for doing that show. It's almost like it was a traumatic event, okay? And to have you all there, I had to like turn it on. I had to be like, I need some other people to process this with. So that's like a, a gold star in my book for like just being there for me and for a lot of people. Um, yeah, because sure. it just it felt weird. And I'm sure, yeah, I've listened to you guys. It was it felt weird. Um, and so it was good to process it with someone, even if it was just virtually. But yeah, I think, I don't know. I almost think they shouldn't have done an episode because first off, I didn't like the fact that Tom Hanks started it because like you mentioned, I think previously, he was the SNL at home uh, episode. And that is kind of, you know, too fresh in our minds and this COVID surge and all that stuff happening. I just didn't want him there. 
I was like, anyone else? Like, there's a bunch of other casts, you know, and uh, stars that flew in for cameos. Um, that one just felt weird. But also, and kind of more holistically and kind of a, a larger picture, I felt like I loved the loose stuff, like the news desk and Tina Fey and, and Michael Che doing that and to the people in the audience. And all that felt really good, um, although it wasn't live, right? We'll get to this later, but all of it was recorded, correct? Yeah, so they started recording that around 8 o'clock and finished around 11 o'clock. Right. So it wasn't even live, you know? And so I know we didn't get we didn't get the it's live from New York at the beginning, but it's because it wasn't live, you know? That makes sense to me, actually. But at the same it's time... Funny, but it's okay. I know, you're still mad about it. I heard that. Um, it makes sense. I mean, it, yeah, it, it's like it's not a live show. But, yeah, I think just I liked some of the loose elements. But the whole thing just felt like a weird cloud over it, you know? I mean, yeah. that's, don't you feel the same? Like, uh, It's tough. I mean, look, uh, again, like patron feedback show is easier for me to to be looser with with my, you know, thoughts and opinions. I always like to be truthful on the show. But I just think like, you know, when we're to, when we're talking to the patrons and it's a little bit of a, a smaller uh, community, I'm able to kind of, you know, talk a little bit uh, more meta about, you know, producing the show. And I think I, I definitely was anxious about how we were going to cover the show. Um, I didn't know if the right thing to do was to talk about the old sketches or to just power through. And I, I really felt that, um, and I made this, I think I said this on the round table, but I just really feel that like when, when something's wrong, when you feel like you're sick, not COVID sick, but regular sick, and you just want to like crawl into bed because that's your safe space. I was like, what can we do as a fan community to provide a safe space for people who really love SNL? Yeah. And on top of it all, I mean, this is an episode, the Christmas episode is a time when uh, school is done for most people. So they're not at their dorm rooms. They're not at their apartments at college. Uh, they're coming home to be with their families. Uh, most people are, get off work. And that's why, in general, ratings for the Christmas episodes are so high. Not only because they bring in big guests, but just there's so many people at home with their families and they're at home on a Saturday night and they haven't seen their families in a long time. And it's a way for them to like go and laugh at something together. And the fact that it happened for this episode is really tough. Like that, yeah. that was hard. So I could only, I was trying to put myself in the position of all of these people who are so excited for a very big night. You're hearing it's Paul Rudd. You're hearing all these people are going to come in and then they don't. And like, what can we do to provide a, a safe space? And I felt like my goal was just to make the show as normal as possible over here so that at least there is a sense of comfort with us even if you weren't getting it on the show. Right. And you guys did that like uh, accomplished mission accomplished. Thanks. Um, and I appreciate that. It's feel, it's almost like that show, the SNL network show was more, you know, safe space than the actual show. Cause yeah. the actual show was just, I think it was so all over the place that even with the, the, what they were trying to do, it was just so many different directions that, yeah, you're just like, as a viewer, you're going to be kind of lost. I have a little bit of a checklist I want to go through, though, if you don't mind. Well, wait, before you get to the oh, checklist, okay. I just want to I want to talk to you about the Tom Hanks uh, thing that you mentioned because I yes. find that really fascinating. Um, I and this is you weren't the first person that said that this week, but you're like, ah, seeing Tom Hanks, it was like scary for me. Um, Tom Hanks is is like one of the best hosts in the history of SNL. I mean, he's like the '80s host pretty much, right? Like he's if you think of that, like Dana Carvey, Phil Hartman, that cast, he is the the host that is most representative of that cast. And the fact that like now modern days, he's being associated with the the at home episodes. And then this episode, like 
that that to me is really fascinating because nowadays if Tom Hanks comes back to SNL, somebody who was unanimous, unanimously celebrated among SNL fans, the fact that he's like, oh, oh my God, it's Tom Hanks, like something horrible is going to happen. Yeah, that's, that's crazy to me. Well, I mean, it doesn't have to last, right? This is just a moment in time, right? It, it Say, you know, a lot of stuff goes on in the world and we kind of, in quotes, get back to normal and things happen like that. And he comes on and he's doing a five-timer sketch again. Maybe they redo it or something. It, I don't think it'll last. I just think it's right now. It was the, I, I really did going to double down and say it was the wrong choice because there's so many other things they could have done. They could have just opened with Tina and Michael, right? And doing mm-hmm. comedy. Um, and by the way, so this what would is you part- have done if you, if you were the producer? Like, well, where yeah. would you have gone with it? Yeah. Well, okay. So this is kind of goes into my checklist, but I, it makes sense to bring it up here. So I've done a lot of shows that are similar to that, which is a live show, but um, it's really just a small audience, like it's the crew. And G4 is doing that right now. If you don't know about G4, uh, they're the gaming channel that just came back. And they do that same type of thing where they do live streams, but there's like only a few people in the audience because it's essentially the crew and a bunch of people who are like laughing at jokes. But it really works. Like it, it still has a fun energy to it. And I've done shows like that when I was uh, doing shows in San Francisco. I feel like if they just like did the whole show like that, it would have been better. So they could have done like it and I would have even done, I would have done it live. I would have done it live with Michael and Tina as like the chairs and maybe they can throw to sketches. We can still get the comedy sketches from the old days, but if they're there and it's live and there's people in the audience like laughing and stuff, you know, meaning like the crew and stuff, I think that gives more of an energy and it's similar to the actual show, but how they did it is they try to play both sides of it where they just pre-taped everything and pretended it was live. You know what I mean? I so feel like I always went all in. Yeah, there was an alternative path that was being considered from what I was told. And this was probably, I, I, it was really between the hours of like 2 p.m. and 6 p.m. when they kept like going back and forth on what was going to happen, who was going to be there. Like a lot of people were leaving the building and stuff, I think. And uh, one of the options that I believe was discussed was because uh, because I do I do have a rundown and I shared that with the patrons in our in our patron group about what the original show was and my question was um, do you think that they should have pre-taped the sketches that they originally planned for that night and aired it as if they were live because I believe NBC was not allowing them to do a live show at that point so right. that was the alternative was like hey should we they weren't going to be able to do the five timers club thing because the guests weren't going to come in but the should we like still record these sketches would you yeah. prefer that i oh so I, I didn't know the technicality of that they couldn't even do anything live um so that as far as i understood it, it yeah the, the reason for that as far as i understand is that they couldn't do something live because they were very strict covid protocols in place uh that nbc like put in as soon as all the stuff was going down and one of the things was hey we need to create a controllable environment and if we go on a live show, the live show suddenly becomes not controllable anymore. So at that point, SNL has to decide what they're going to be doing with mm. a pre-taped show. Okay, well, the short answer is, yeah, I think they should have done that. Because they could have still, you know, like, like uh, set it up with people throwing to sketches. But if you're throwing to sketches that are like the uh, the one they, they opened with, uh, the home goods one, um, like that still feels new. And like back to our earlier point, it still feels like something I can crawl up in bed with, right? Because I'm, I'm getting a sketch that's new and I don't know what it is. Even to a smaller degree, uh, the Christmas shoes one, which I actually didn't like, um, but I like what they were trying. 
you know, that still is new. And so you're like, oh, that's SNL. So yes is the short answer. I feel like they should have just filmed those, put them out there, and then had more of a like a live feel at least when they were delivering them. But that's just me. Okay. Sure. That's just me. All right, let's get to your checklist. Let, let me see what's on the checklist. Okay. I don't have, it's not too many things, but I have to do them. First off, like I agree with you, and I think a lot of people, the Pete Davidson sketch, I love it. I love it. I'm a big fan of the uh, the state. Do you remember the state? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think I'm all for SNL doing more shorts that, you know, they don't need an audience. Sometimes they can just like live within their abstract, dark comedy world. And that I think they just knocked it out of the park with that. So that was amazing, in my opinion. That was like my favorite, one of my favorite things they did. Um, and yeah, like I said earlier, I would love to see more Tina and Shay just improving and having fun because that was the only part of the show that felt like an SNL moment. Um, so that's kind of sad. The other thing is I had to write down is Eddie Murphy. I forgot about that sketch and I wasn't really happy they were thrown to old sketches, but I forgot. That's really funny that, yeah, uh, what's he say? Um, my name doesn't matter <laughs> something. It don't matter about what my name is. And like, it's just, I've forgotten about that sketch. And that one really made me laugh. That one is a really good one. And that was a, like, uh, the Eddie Murphy show was not uh, what we thought it would be fully, I would say. Like, everybody was expecting, like, dynamite. And I, and I think he, we were just like, everyone was in love with seeing Eddie Murphy. But it was really that sketch that yeah. firmly cemented how good of a sketch performer Eddie Murphy is. So the fact that they brought that one back, that was cool. Yeah. And then I just wrote down that Dick in the Box is dated. And I was like, no, I can't. I can't do it. I, I, even oh, if it's, on. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. Is it one of your favorite sketches or something? I'm a huge Dick in the Box fan. I'm a huge Andy Samberg and Justin Timberlake fan. So you, no, no, wait, hold on. Yeah. I'm Andy yeah. Samberg. Um, bring it on down to something town. I'm, I'm all into that. Okay. But for some reason, when I watched it, I was just like, maybe it was because of the setting, you know, and I didn't want to watch old sketches. But yeah, I was just like, I, I didn't find it funny anymore which is crazy because i love andy um mm. yeah i just felt yeah, see, like, i don't know in terms of like laugh out loud humor i wouldn't say that that is the uh i wouldn't say that dick in a box was ever the funniest one of all the music videos that they did but i would say that you know it, it's the christmas show and it, it they wanted to do christmas sketches it kind of made sense yeah i guess that's all i had I just basically like yeah to reiterate i think it was just kind of a scattershot of things and if I was in that same position, I know it's very, very difficult. I've been in a position not on NBC, but where you had to put a show on and you just do your best. So they did their best. And I think that's awesome. Um, but I cool. do think it kind of shines a light on some things they could also do, you know, in future episodes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, well, we're going to talk more about the episode and more about what our thoughts are on what they did and what will be moving forward when we get to the patron questions or the questions for the patron feedback show that we got. Uh, we got a ton of questions in, so I'm uh, not sure we'll get to all of them, but we're going to try our best to do that tonight. Uh, before we do that, Carlos, uh, you want to do a little bit of social media? Okay, let's do it. Okay. Um, this is, I will read out some social media to you and Carlos just comment with whatever you want afterwards. So, uh, what did you think of Colin Jost's role in the Pete Davidson short? Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. That was weird though. It was weird. Though. Like, uh, it was I, super I was weird. Yeah. 
for, for me, I was confused. I didn't know if it was Colin, if they were using archived footage of Colin's voice and somebody else was was doing it. And then I also knew that Colin had COVID, so Colin couldn't have been in because they had been planning on having Tina Fey come in prior to this episode. So uh, for me, I was very confused about this whole thing and trying to wrap my head around it. Um, his name is John Dunchak, and he is an actor. If you look him up on Instagram, at John Dunchak says, I am the Colin Jost to your Pete Davidson, albeit a post-apocalyptic apocalyptic Christmas dystopian cyborg Colin Jost circa 2054 but still grateful to the NBC SNL crew for the opportunity to work with Pete at Paul Rudd wasn't exaggerating about everyone working till 5 a.m. on this sketch so uh, they brought in an outside actor here to do uh, the Colin Jost part that's awesome yeah I didn't know that but I mean just the whole idea of, of the look of it it reminded me of Michelle Gondry do you know Michelle Gondry I don't know. He did. Um, he did a lot of music videos for you know popular bands like the White Stripes and stuff. And he did uh, oh. a Spotless Eternal Spotless Sunshine of the Spotless Mind or something. Anyways, that kind of like I love the kind of creepiness that the, the robot had. Very. Yeah, for sure. And then we had if you look up at Paul Bogranti, who has retired from Saturday Night Live and moved on. Uh, his last show was this Saturday, and he worked on this pre-tape, and he posted some great photos on his Instagram uh, about mm-hmm. my last official week at SNL was chill and good vibes and healthy and normal. And it's uh, a lot of people wearing the Colin Jost weird mask, walking around with it, um, as well as you know pictures of the Please Don't Destroy guys, the ones who were in there. So uh, really cool of Paul Bogranti to uh, post some photos behind the scenes of his last week at Saturday Night Live. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll have to go check them out. Yeah. Definitely. Um, okay. Um, Sean McElwraith uh, is one of the editors for the film unit. And he says that on Instagram at Sean McElwraith, that's true story. I got, I caught COVID last week, minor symptoms. I feel fine three times vaxxed, but I couldn't be at the show this past week and had to edit remotely from home. Big bummer. It was a monster 6am to 11pm edit Saturday, but as always, Thank you to Krissa Lurais, who I co-edited this piece with. It's become a ritual that this guy saves my ass. Uh, Yeah, I just want to make sure I pronounce that correctly. Yeah, uh, it's become a ritual that this guy saves my ass every single week. Another true story. It was Paul Begrante's last episode, Big Bummer. I had the pleasure of working with him for over five years at SNL. I'm truly going to miss him. Glad we got one last ride together, even though we were apart. Enjoy Hollywood Loser. Nice. That's a nice ending. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's kind of cool to see. Um, I, I really do love it when the behind the scenes people start talking about the process about making these uh, these shorts or, or what pre-tapes. Um, you just don't realize like how much goes into them. And I, you always hear stories, I think, about how people are editing things up until the very last minute. And I could tell you that is like 100% true. And there is stuff even like you'll notice how long these commercials were. They like left in as much as they possibly could to fill the time this week. Yeah, I know those commercials are killing me. I was like, "This, I don't watch commercials. What's happening? Where, where am I? What is this?" Um, but by the way, if anyone has, hasn't been to the YouTube channel for SNL, I mean, if you're watching this, I'm sure you have. They have a whole playlist, and I'm sure you watched all of them uh, behind the scenes, and it's just it's so awesome. You got to watch all of them. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really cool. I, I love all that stuff. Okay, um, at Melissa V Comedy, Melissa V Senor on Twitter says, hey. "Oh man, I will miss Anna Dresden." Paul Berganti, Jasmine Pierce, 
at NBC SNL, and I also I'll throw Don King in there. Uh, they are talented and awesome peeps, and I wish them the best on their adventures. So this is something we talked about in the roundtable, Carlos. But I would love to ask you. I mean, we had like four major departures. Don obviously is something that's been planned. He's been working with Liz Patrick for the first half of the year to uh, get her to a point where she is ready to take over in 2022. But losing Anna Dresden, Paul Bergonti, and Jasmine Pierce all the way at the end of the year. Any thoughts on their departures? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because. I don't know if it's because, you know, you just don't know the behind the scenes of what's going on. Um, you do some of it, but I think, uh, with the new cast and stuff like that, a bunch of new different players, I like the idea of having a bigger cast and maybe even more writers because then like we've seen with the new cast and with like kind of a, a larger cast, you can have each show can feel a little different and it doesn't all just feel like, you know, the Kate McKinnon show or something, uh, which is great. Cause I love her. But uh, I think having new writers, new, new fresh blood is always good. So, uh, and it's also like I'm learning from you all and NBC, uh, you know, in this uh, show itself, like who does the writing. And, you know, from a casual person perspective, you're not getting that information. So, like, you know, Andy Samberg and The Lonely Island or Please Don't Destroy, but you don't know the people you just talked about lots of times. So, um, I don't know. You, I think this show helps educate people better on that, but it's hard for me to be like, I don't know which they did. You know, I don't know all the skits they worked on. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the great things about like uh, our fan community and stuff is just like, when you go back and you watch the show, you can sign it. You can kind of see the tones of certain sketches and you're like, okay, that is definitely like an Anna Dresden sketch because you watch it and you see the similar beats of like, you know, the Kate and 80 pair and they're likely to work with her and stuff like that. So I think that these are the types of things that you get by having conversations with the people that we get to talk to on a regular basis within our community is just that like we start to pick up on these things in the way that the SNL casuals don't already as well so right. and even as like monette says in the chat you know following the cast on social media is key because i think that the like you know when you follow these people not only do the on-screen people really want to make a point to you know reference the off-screen people but they you know like it's it's so important because they don't get their due and i, I really want to continue to do that yeah no i think it's great i mean um i write comedy and i you know if Lots of times I have the luxury of like also being, you know, in it. And so then you're like, oh, well, that person's, you know, probably wrote it. But when you're writing for other people and other performers, yeah, you want to be able to like um, get that across. So I, I love learning. So I I'm not sure what it's going to do for the show, um, but I just know that I do like new blood, you know, and seeing new new people come in. Yeah, for sure. Um, crazy to leave halfway through the season. I mean, we, we were talking about this a couple days ago, but like really just, um, you know, it's, it's very, very interesting for me to have like a, a major departure halfway through the season, like Anna's cause like being, you know, a head writer and stuff. Um, yeah, I think, I think I would love to hear more about, you know, this week down the road to see if anything at all had anything to do with the, I, I would put money. It probably didn't, but I just am very curious if any, if this was like probably the, uh, the impetus for some of these people to feel like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to kind of move on and do something else with my life now. Oh, you mean this episode, the, the weird episode? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I keep, we keep getting questions about it and like my, my expected answer is like, Hey, no, like it didn't. But, <laughs> yeah. 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 I know. I, I mean, know. without us going on that too long of a tangent, which we shouldn't, um, I don't think is, you know, it's the whole COVID thing. And so that is, you know, it's a huge factor and they're in New York. 
and it's where like you know it's really tense right now so but i think that all things shall pass and you know maybe uh this is yeah it's an interesting time to 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 call it quits now i don't know for sure uh at jasmine pierce on instagram one of the writers who has left this week says out of an abundance of caution i have quit my job and i'm moving to la here are a few of my favorite jokes proudest moments and the day i first touched 30 rock over a decade ago and it's really a great picture if you go through the slideshow um not even gonna try and express how much my life has changed here but i will be posting near endlessly about all the people i love just got to get through this caption without crying first purple heart hashtag snl and then in reference to the first photo in the slideshow which is the will ferrell uh, cast list sketch which is very well regarded even though it was cut uh the cast list was written by at streeter sidell and at mikey day um at mikey fun time which is mikey day and they made me stand in for a second to live out maybe my only dream so uh, oh, nice. really cool cool post from jasmine cool yeah um okay uh so we had uh something posted from ben uh ben marshall <laughs> who posted oh uh, yeah i did see that from Please Don't Destroy, where Michael Che is in there replacing. And wow, this was really funny to watch. I mean, I, I, I will not do it justice by talking about the patron feedback show, but please go to Instagram and watch uh, at Ben Marshall Styles. Got to make our video exactly as planned last week, which is a happy holidays video from Please Don't Destroy, where Michael Che stands in in Please Don't Destroy. So uh, really great. The comments are hilarious. Um, so comments from AD and, and Celeste and Alex English and uh, Chloe. It's just it's a very funny video. So um, I'm not doing a full justice, but I really encourage you to, to go check that out. Yeah, it's short, but it's like right to the point. And it's uh, it's it's going there. You know, it's going right where the sensitive topic is. And so I, I actually like they did that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, not too much else in feedback this week. Obviously, you know, a lot of people headed towards the holidays and, uh, you know, given the nature of the episode, some of the alumni, I'm sure we're not watching as usual, but um, really happy to cover uh, some of the things and talk about the people that are leaving and give them their due. What I would love to do, Carlos, with you now is answer some of the patron feedback questions we got this week. Let's do it. I got them ready. Perfect. Okay. Is there a question that stands out to you that you want to talk through first? Oh, I mean, I could talk about any of them. I wrote notes for a few. Do you want me to okay. pick one? Uh, you, would you like to, or do you want me to just start from the beginning and we'll make our way through? Let's just go through them. Okay, perfect. Okay, this comes from at Saturday underscore night underscore live underscore fan on Instagram. Full details on what happened uh, on Saturday. So, um, like I said, I covered this on the, the Hot Take Show, so I'm not going to do the whole thing. But basically, my understanding is that everything was normal Friday Everything was normal going into Saturday morning. You saw the evidence of that with them talking about uh, with the Pete thing. I think it was staying up until one of them was staying up until 5 a.m. to finish the video. I mean, they were planning on doing this. The the uh, cameos were planning on coming in. And it really wasn't until about early afternoon on Saturday when people started to test positive. There was already going to be a few people out of the show. But then uh, a lot of the film units started to test positive at that point. NBC decided to step in and, and really put some restrictions. They obviously decided to remove the audience. And then it was about four hours of discussions. What are we going to do? Here are the different options. Eventually, they decided, okay, we're going to pre-record what you ended up seeing. So um, that's my best way to sum it up. There's obviously a lot more details that we were not necessarily privy to. I will address the fact that there is a big rumor going around that Lauren Michaels had tested positive for COVID. Uh, that is not true. Lauren was there. Um, he was there the entire time. 
there is no evidence of him testing positive for COVID. So um, as far as I'm concerned, I do, I do want to address like things that are, I know are not true. And right. that is one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it just becomes this point where, um, like you said, it was zero hour, you know, they were planning on a real show, a full show. Um, yeah. And then we had that thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. This one is from at Naomi Weyes and Naomi asks, I'm curious to know if any cast members tested a positive and who, okay. So I'm just going to say, uh, I am not going to announce who tested positive for COVID. I mean, I don't think that's my place. I think that's like their own medical choice. I think that if people, if the cast members choose to go out and say that they have, and I think there are a couple who have had uh, COVID chats on Instagram lives and stuff like that and said, Hey, like we both tested positive. We're going to talk about it. Um, I'll let them, I, I don't, I always like to be honest and truthful with the listeners, but I think in like this particular case, when it comes to like somebody's like medical choice, I don't think the SNL network needs to announce who tested positive for COVID or not. Yeah. Good choice. Yeah. Okay. But I, Naomi, I did want to address your question. So I thought I would, I would say that. Um, okay. Um, do you know how to pronounce this? Carlos at, at, uh, Cleasest false Claude. Claude. Let's go with that. Uh, do you think they'll have a do over for Paul? So I'll send it to you on this one. Well, you know, what's funny. Um, I might have to have a do over. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was like so excited to talk about an episode and sketches. And here we are talking about, you know, the weirdness of it all. But yeah, so, uh, yes, I think he should. I heard one of the shows you were talking about it and someone said, no, that's crazy. That's crazy. He didn't do any sketches. So, I mean, he, yes, he was in a couple pre-tapes too, I guess. Right. Um, was he in two or three? Two. He was in uh, three pre-tapes. Yeah. Okay. So, but still pre-tapes is different. It's not that live audience is not having that energy messing up breaking no 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 yes is the answer he has to have a, a, a and it doesn't matter when but just sometime next year also like you know we talked about things we like in terms of breaking the format i mean snl in its first five years had people host multiple times a season um i'm pretty sure steve martin hosted three times in one season um, oh, so yeah. so it's not like so insane that they would bring him back in may let's say like like if you saw the may announcements and and it was like the second show in may was paul rudd hosting like fine who cares like who exciting cares? yeah and, I, and I, nicole saying in chat yeah yeah and nicole saying in chat charlie xcx bring her back too right yeah that that's a no-brainer for me because like music you can do anytime obviously they just they just did that with morgan wallen so it's not like crazy that you could bring back charlie xcx this year but like this whole like, oh, yeah, like the host nowadays will host once a season unless it's Paul Rudd's choice. And he's like, hey, I don't really want to do this or I don't have time for it. Or I have other, you know, film commitments, whatever he's doing. Then I get that. But if S like SNL should make the effort, I think, to try and get him back for the end of the season. And I think we would have so much fun with it as long as everything's OK. Yeah. And you know what? It'll actually be healing in a way, won't it? I think yeah. it would be. It'd be yeah, like, it really OK, would. no, this is what we were expecting. We didn't get for a while. Now we're getting it. And. I mean, it's such a weird world out there without going to too much of a tangent, but it is. Yeah. And comedy is huge. Comedy helps me every single day and, and watching something that we can all kind of, you know, gather around and like, you know, appointment television, which is very rare these days. So yes, is the answer. 
Yeah. And also, I mean, the other thing, Carlos, that you um, you made me think of is that like if you're in like 10 or 15 years from now and assuming there's no pandemic and where everything's OK and you're going back and you're watching season 46 and 47 and you're going to look at, um, you know, the end of season 45 as, you know, the start of COVID and you're going to see some, you know, COVID related sketches going into 46 and then some COVID uh, or pandemic recovery sketches going into the end of the season, then what is it like to go and be with people and, and be at parties? We saw all that last spring. Mm-hmm. And then season 47 kind of looks normal. And then all of a sudden, I wonder if you're going to get some COVID-related sketches on the back half of season 47. As a comedy fan, re-watching SNL in order, that is a trip. Because right. you're like, you see it all and you see them recovering. And it's like, okay, it's like, yeah, didn't COVID come back at one point? And then it's like, it, it'll be very weird to see what SNL does with how they actually cover COVID, assuming SNL is normal in the back half of the season. I think they could look at the new Jim Gaffigan special. I'm just watching it now. It just came out on Netflix. I love him to death. He's joking about it. And he's okay. joking about it, I think, in a smart way where it's we're all in on the joke and we're all frustrated. But he's making light of it in some way. So I, I think, yes, they're going to come with sketches that, that way uh, next year. But I think it's just like, maybe they won't have to be as extreme. Right. Cause remember the yeah. beginning, the, the, the SNL sketches were like, I don't even know how to talk to people. <laughs> like, well, how do, do we socialize? But maybe it'll just be like, like Jim Gaffigan's small, quick joke. He said like, remember when we like all washed our crackers, we came home with a <laughs> box of crackers and we just washed them. And we did. Like I did that and that's, it almost feels ridiculous now because yes, it was, we were trying to be safe, but you know what I mean? So I think those kind of jokes are what we might get like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like I wonder, like I know with uh, the Chalamet episode last season, we did like Arona family Christmas and stuff like that. Um, You know, hypothetically, it's like they basically like they took in, in the first half 46, they took like a bunch of COVID situations and then translated it to the time in the world that things were happening. And I'm, I would be interested, like, do they, is there like a little bit of a new approach that they could take on covering COVID if COVID is as big as it is in a couple of months time and SNL is going normal? Like, right. I wonder what the, what, what is the, what is the mandate that the head writers or the producers give to the writers and the sketch performers to how they're going to be covering this? I think that's going to be fascinating for us to watch in 2022. Right. Because like we said earlier, like they do hold up a mirror to society and what's going on. And so it's kind of hard not to talk about it because it's literally in everybody's you know world. Um, although I do not agree with Nicole. She said in chat, uh, Tom Hanks should host the COVID era SNL special in 10 years. No, no I don't. Let's just no. <laughs> I don't want the trauma bond. <laughs> OK, um, it is funny, though. Um, it is. Funny. OK. Uh, at pink re bunny says, have you seen Christmas shoes? So I feel like I'm the only one who's seen it a ton of times. Have you seen Christmas shoes before? I did not. I wrote down N O O a lot of O's and then I watched it on YouTube and it's terrible. I'm sorry. I mean, it's, it's beautiful and charming and nice, but it's like, it's very cringe to me. Um, so I apologize if that's like a, child a good childhood memory for you or something it's not it's just a oh, song that okay. i know i just feel like it's on like i i maybe i'm making a mistake but like i'm pretty sure i've heard the song on the radio like um there is a i'm, I'm up in montreal and there is a radio station we get that is a vermont radio station because it's not very far so we get like burlington and there's a vermont station that we would play around our house and my mom like loved christmas music so she just was always like 
like Christmas songs. And I just feel like I've heard the song like so many times. Wow. It just, because when I was watching it, it was the first time I heard it on the sketch, uh, you know, for this episode. And it just sounded like a very Kyle Mooney, you know, style of, you know, run on sentence. That's also a song. Uh, and I love yeah. Kyle, by the way. And um, so I just thought it was like that kind of a joke the whole time. And I saw what you said. I agree with you. During that sketch, though, I love the 80 Bryant line. I love 80 so much, by the way. She can save any sketch. I mean, her almost breaking or her just like doing anything makes me laugh. But she comes in and says like, I don't think you should be talking to my son. Hilarious. <laughs> she, says, she says this. Well, I don't like that. <laughs> it's so, so good. It's so good. Yeah, so I, I just was confused by the whole thing. Then I re, I just watched it on YouTube, and it's it's weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that one drives me crazy because, like I said, there is a sketch there that they didn't take, and I wish they did. That's true. Yeah, I think they could have taken taken that somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to read the next question we have from Monette? Oh yeah. So could the exit of Pierce Dresden Berganti uh, affect the screen time of longer tenured players on the cast going into 2022. Now this is because a lot of the writers work specifically with a lot of different cast members, right? Yeah. And Monette's in the chat tonight. So I just want to make sure we for sure get to her question, obviously. And uh, yeah, th this, this would be because of that. Cause like, for example, Dresden works like a lot with AD and Kate. Oh yeah. Okay. Now, but here's the thing though, AD and Kate, they're, they're writing their own stuff too. Right. And I know they need help with writers, but does that mean, I mean, they can still get stuff on next year without having that, you know, paired up writer, correct? Yeah, oh, of course. Yes, for sure. But it's just like people, some of the most fascinating things to watch are like, which writers end up clinging on to which uh, performers, right? Because we have these 10 new writers this year, and we don't know who they like to write for yet. One of the things that I was always told about Beck Bennett was, the reason Beck gets so much screen time and is in so many sketches is because all the writers love to write for him oh, and he yeah. will, and he will act the shit out of everyone's sketches at the table read. So, oh, okay. they, they, and then you get your sketch on the show, right? So for me, it's always fascinating to see like, okay, now Kate and 80, does that mean we're going to get less of those sketches, which well, I'm okay with, but we'll see. Yeah, there is a lot of the same sketch they've been doing for a while. And while I found it funny a million times, now I'm like, I get it. You know, they're going to do their little thing where they poke each other and are kind of in love with each other. <laughs> and yeah, so I don't know. I think it's fascinating, though, to to watch and we'll have to just see. Yeah, for sure. I think that um, I, I would love to see what I think, you know, Chain Jost are the other head writers. It would be interesting to see what Dresden would have done without having Chain Jost there because the Chain Jost style is very much like, uh, you know, ingrained in the show over the last few years. And I feel like this like fresh blood we've gotten between Please Don't Destroy and the other seven new writers has been really, really fascinating. But for me, um, it, it, it's just when these other writers start to leave the show, now it's like, okay, they must feel very confident in the new writers they brought on board. Otherwise, they would say, like, Anna, please stay until the end of the season. Right, right, because then they're, like, in trouble. Um, yeah, I, I just want to see more chances taken. I think, like I was saying at the beginning of the show, like, I think maybe this episode could show and shine a light that, you know, some more freeform stuff could happen. And if some new writers do that, like, that'd be awesome, you know, so... Yeah, here's uh, here's from Monette. She says, um, Dresden also co-wrote Guy Who Just Bought a Boat and The Iceberg. So Alex and Bowen also looting or losing a writer as well. 
Yeah. Oh, the iceberg killed. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like um Carlos, are you a sports guy? Not really. I used to be, okay. but not right now. So for me, it's kind of like I'll, I'll make the comparison that uh, if there's a certain coach on a team, like let's say a like a hitting coach in a baseball team, that the coach goes away and then the hitter hits like not as great. Sometimes right. they like the media, sports media, will blame the hitter, right? Because he'll be like, "Okay, you're not producing," but they don't realize a lot of times that it's actually the hitting coach that had switched teams and he was really helping the performer, right. and. So you start to think to yourself, and Kate and Eddie are seasoned performers. I'm not saying this is what's going to happen, but it is very similar with SNL, where sometimes behind the scenes, great writing makes you feel that these performers are even greater than they are. And then when you take the writers away, it impacts the show in a way that's not so easily seen on screen. Yeah, it's actually because I do watch UFC uh, sometimes and like, you know, the the, the gyms that the, some of the fighters go to and the trainers they're with, like they change their whole game. Right. It's yeah. just like now they're a champion because they went to whatever gym. So I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that'll be fascinating to watch moving forward. Uh, this is a question from Nick store and Nick says, what's your top three sketches of the season so far for him? It's science room mattress store and three sad versions. So what are your three Carlos? Um, I have to agree with Science Room, although that's been done before. They did that like three times, haven't they? Science Room. Yeah, they did that. Yeah, they did that with Adam Driver uh, before. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it, it's always good. Like it's a great premise. Um, Cecily destroys. I'm just gonna reuse the word destroy and pun all over the place here. But uh, yeah, I'm, I think I'm being good. I'm being good. <laughs> I'm being good after I said it. Um, Science Room. I agree because I love watching Cecily break in that one too. Um, Angelo. I know yeah. it, maybe that's a polarizing answer because some people don't like uh, that act, but I think he destroyed it that night too because I've seen him do it before and it wasn't as good. I think that Do you one like the like, second one that was only on YouTube, the Christmas one? I like it just because like Billy and I like what she did, like the Bjork kind of, you know, character. Yeah. It wasn't as good. And I think it wasn't as good because it was the first time. Lots of times that happens when a character is introduced. It's like, that's a magical moment. So I didn't think it was as good. Um, and I did like, what's the what's the guy who was in the first version? Who was the James Bond? Oh, uh, uh, Daniel Craig. Yeah, I like his delivery. It's like, he was so confused. And I just feel like that really helped that sketch. Um, so anyways, but yeah, I think Science Room, I like, I agree with him. I like Angelo. And I like Mattress Store, Mattress Store. But I went back through all the old episodes and splitting the check. I really like that one. So that, that one was cut from the Owen episode, right? Was it? I, I saw it on I YouTube, it so I don't remember. Yeah. Okay. I think it was cut. Yeah. What, why I like that a lot, and I'm not sure how many of, uh, listeners know about Auntie Donna, but do you know about Auntie Donna? I don't. Ooh, I've got my brought you some comedy uh, presents. Christmas came early. <laughs> Go to okay. Netflix tonight and type in Auntie Donna. Um, they're amazing Australian comedians, and I've been following them for a while. That sketch, splitting the check, feels like an Auntie Donna sketch, like perfectly, which doesn't make any sense if you don't know who they are, but I just like the abstractness of it, um, how it just keeps building on itself. Yeah. So I, I would pick that one. What about you? Cool. Um, for me, Mattress Store is a no-brainer. That's That, to me, is a very well-written sketch that uh, I had rewatched. Um, Men's Room, I think, from the Culkin episode. Mm -hmm. So good. 
really well written. Really love that one. Um, I don't know how you cannot put parent teacher conference uh, with Jason on there. I mean, that is just a the, like, look, as much as I loved seeing the science room again, parent teacher conference is just like a perfect sketch. It's good. So, it's just, it's it is like its main joke is that it's going to be awkward for the whole time. Um, right. Which but isn't Jason, a bad thing. Carry, Jason carries the awkwardness with his swagger in a way that not many people can do. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's it's fascinating. I don't I don't fault you for liking it. It's, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. If I had to do those would be my three for sure. Like if I had to say my three favorites from the season, I'd say um, I know people brought up three set virgins. Uh, that one I did really enjoy. I thought that was very like fun for me. Very not of this era and something that like I, I enjoyed. It gave me like throwback feels. Um, Nicole in the chat actually brought up one that that I don't think of very much. But the time that we at the time, like I love this one. Uh, Republican or not. That was a great. Oh, great yeah, that was smart. Sketch. Yeah, yeah, really smart, really well done. And I don't think um, I somehow just ended up like going under the radar for the last few weeks. But I just have to say, like, that is a great sketch. Yeah. Um, and by the way, uh, the chat, uh, Monette said, uh, Auntie Don is a solid sketch show. Yeah, thank you very much. They're incredible. Cool. Um, but yeah. also, by the way, Lonely Christmas that we just got was pretty masterful. I mean, it mm -hmm. was twisted and dark. And and I don't think anyone mentioned, but I think Billy recorded that Smith song underneath it. Because it's not yes. like her. Yeah, yeah did. did she? Oh, yeah. so I want that version so bad. Um, so I, I'm going to include that as, as an honorable mention. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones going on in the chat. So if you watch this on the replay, you'll get to see the chat. Uh, there's just uh, there's there's been some really good sketches from this uh, this season. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing what's coming moving forward and what we're going to get next year. Yes. Um, okay, this one is from Corey uh, Madigan or Madigan. I uh, hope I pronounced your name correctly, Corey. Uh, would SNL ever do a contest for a random person to host? Well, Corey, let me tell you, this happened in 1977. It's not happened again. But it has happened before. So who was the person? Uh, Miskel Spillman. She was a uh, someone in the chat will tell me how old she was, but uh, I believe in her seventies, late seventies, um, seventy-seven, maybe something like that. If I just number that right now at the top of my head. Um, but uh, yeah, she. They brought in uh, basically on one of the episodes in season three at the beginning. They were asking for people. They said they want to bring in somebody from outside the show uh, to host the show. Please send in by mail, uh, your application, or you, you wanting to host the show, um, they brought, yeah, thanks guys in the background. Uh, so, so they, they brought in five people to come on in and had host Buck Henry introduce the five people to the audience. They said like a, a couple lines on stage and then they voted for like another couple of weeks and then people ended up voting Mescal to come and host the show. So it is a very weird. unique, random episode of the show in the seventies. That is weird. And it makes sense. It happened in the seventies. I don't know why yeah. it just does. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Michelle in the chat says she was 80, the oldest host for, at the time for a while. Uh, Nicole says two weeks older than Ruth Gordon. Yeah. And I believe that Betty White ended up being the oldest after that. So um, yeah, I mean, uh, to answer this question, um, would I love to see it? Yeah. A hundred percent. Like why wouldn't SNL do this? I mean, I know that it's not what the show is, but I think it would be so much fun to, to have, like a random person coming to host so it's never gonna happen it's never gonna happen but <laughs> no, it would no. be fun it would be yeah. fun yeah yeah um yeah here this is our friend ken says uh didn't someone say that one of the other contestants wrote angry letters to lauren for many years after that maybe why they didn't repeat i would love to know more about that yeah that the 
the actual and this is this is one of those things that I had and I have looked it up before, but if you could find the information on the four people that didn't get to host SNL, Miss Gal is no longer with us. But if the four people who were brought on to SNL that were not given a chance to host are around anywhere and somebody knows them, please connect them with me because I would love to bring them on the show. I think that would yeah. be fascinating. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. So, uh, Chad, I'm putting I'm putting that on uh, on our community. If if people know where to find these other four contestants from the Anyone Can Host contest, we need to we need to find them. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, you want to take the next one, Carlos? Yeah, E Lady Lark. Lauren Michaels just mentioned retirement consideration. I'm not sure where. Who should uh, be considered his successor? Oh yeah, I kind of had an uh, answer for this. I, it's not a specific person, but I just it has to be somebody who's been involved in sketch. Uh, for a long time, right? Yeah. Like, uh, well, uh, yeah, I was gonna say, like, the answer to this is that uh, every so often they bring up, there's like another article that says, hey, like, Lauren's gonna retire in season 50. I mean, this is like not a secret at this point. It's not news. I mean, he said this for since the 40th anniversary, pretty much that he wants to go till 50. Um, so this is something that we've been expecting for a while. I mean, obviously, he could change his mind. It's still three years away. But um, for me, I, I think there is an obvious answer here and it's not a sexy answer, but I would love to hear what you think first. I don't really have a person. I just know that like, I mean, I don't, it, he's such an interesting, like being, you know, like when people talk about him, it's like, you don't replace him. So it's almost like the show would have to think about how it wants to take its direction. I mean, when he left, it went to hell. Right. And so right. it, it's he doesn't gotta want be. That. No, it, it needs to be a really smart decision. It needs to be someone, not Jordan Peele, but someone who's like a Keen Peele who's been in sketch for a long time and has also been behind the camera. You know, like I say him because he's been a director as well. I just think that improv and sketch has to be in the person's background, but I, I really couldn't figure out who it should be. Yeah, um, for me, I, I see Ken in the chat says this. I think that those who say Steve Higgins will be right. And yeah, that is, uh, and Casey says my pick would be Keenan. Um, for, for me, uh, it is dead. Like, odds are if you go to Vegas and you were going to bet on who's going to replace Lorne, uh, Steve Higgins is the betting favorite for sure. Because yeah. you know, there's nobody who's like been in the room making the dis tough decisions in the last, uh, what is it? Uh, I guess almost you know over 20 years now that you know he's been there and and really just so impactful and making important decisions for the show if you know lauren missed an episode for whatever reason higgins would be running the show so it's like yeah to me it's an obvious transition thing yeah i think yeah i don't think there really is a question because i remember watching um i was mentioning to you uh, one of the documentaries i watched uh which will come up later so i'll look it up in my notes but higgins was like you know he's down underneath the stage with lauren drinking wine you know, yeah. and like looking at sketches together, They're like there's no one else closer uh, besides a lot of the, you know, crew around them. So, yeah, I think it's it, it's probably going to be Higgins for sure. And people don't um, people don't realize that uh, it's like when they talk about cast decisions and like hirings or like letting people go from the show. And often people are like, why would Lauren do this? Why would Lauren do that? Like, it's not just Lauren. Like Higgins is very much involved in all that stuff. Um, Higgins, uh, as far as I know, he goes to sketch comedy troops throughout the summers and watches people as well and then brings them in. So um, it would be I would be very surprised 
if it wasn't him. I think the bigger question that people should start asking as opposed to who's going to replace Lauren, because, you know, it's going to be interesting as we move forward. But the, the bigger question is, will SNL remain on NBC or will it go to will it go to Peacock? I think that's a bigger question headed towards season 50. Um, but who knows? We'll see. Peacock. What an interesting thing. <laughs> I won't, yeah. I won't talk about it. I think it's, it's great that they, they put all the episodes up there on that app. Um, but you know, people are very tired of, of new apps. And so it'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, Matthew asks, when will SNL come back? And the answer to that question is right now. SNL is expected to come back on January 15th. So that would be the next episode of Saturday Night Live. It is a little bit earlier than usual. Usually SNL wouldn't return until the either the second to last or the last weekend in January to give people that very long break. Um, it's very interesting because if this wasn't an Olympic year and given everything that's happening, I think that SNL would really love to have this long break right now to figure out what to do with the show. But they don't. And they're expected to come back in basically three and a half weeks. So... It'll be interesting to see what happens with those shows. They're expected to be three shows on the 15th, 22nd, and 29th because it's an Olympic year. So things are being stacked differently. So that that will be fascinating to watch as far as like immediate storylines coming up. Yeah. And also like they usually take those breaks. I always forget when their breaks happen. Um, but they're basically you're saying like they're going to do like three or four shows back to back, right? They're doing three shows in January, and then, uh, yeah, um, vamp Marie for me for a second. I'm going to get the schedule up. Yeah, I think that in general, um, I'm just confused, and it keeps coming up because it's the elephant in the room. What we're going to do about you know the current state of the world when it comes to COVID, because how much of that is going to, you know, at some point normalize, and the fact is people are going to get sick from this thing, and we're going to still do a show. So, you know what I mean? Like, that's really the, the big question, I think. And then how can we get all the people around to make the show the best show it can be? Uh, yeah. We're okay. So, we're talking so here, about here it is, Carlos. Yeah. So we got 15th, 22nd, and 29th of January, supposed to be. And then uh, nothing for another month. Oh, so see, there nothing you go. Until, okay. until, yeah, February 26th is the next expected show. So Interesting. Yeah. That that and yeah. that, that's all I got got for you right now. But like, uh, we'll, we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised to hear that at least that first show in January fifteenth may not be a thing. But uh, I don't know anything. I really don't right now. Yeah. Again, it's minute to minute for us, right? Like as we're doing this show, we don't you don't know what's going on with the world. Yeah. For sure. Um, okay. Let's take this question um, from Austin McLeod. Austin says, will SNL be back in studio by February or March? So that's the other interesting question is like, could they potentially do something not in the studio in January? Eh, I, I would prefer not. I think that uh, I want something to cover, but I feel like if they're going to do it, they should find a way to do something in the studio, given the precautions. Also, um, TBD, right? Because I mean, there's still time for people to get the booster shots and then potentially see what happens with the booster and Omicron and all that stuff. So um, I, I think that potentially they may have people who are, you know, protected with the booster be able to come in. It's it's a very different time than it was in March of 2020, where like nobody knew as much as they knew now. Right. Yeah. And I think like we said earlier, I, you can pre-tape stuff. Uh, they obviously do that all the time, right? Sketches always happen. Please, please don't destroy, etc. And if you need to, you can still do the sketch with its live energy in the studio 
and then, you know, show it. So like yeah. what I wished would have happened in this last episode. For sure. So yeah, that'll be, it'll be really interesting to see if the SNL does do a studio show without an audience. I mean, that's something that uh, they didn't do because they decided to bring in um, healthcare workers into the audience at the start of 46. Uh, I would I wonder if that's something they would do again coming into the next season. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Our last question is, oh, so this is, yeah. So this goes right into the question that we had from Benjamin Lamb, one of our great patrons. Uh, Benjamin says, hypothetical time, what does the show look like in January? Back to what we've seen or limited crowd and no cameos again. All right. So, uh, Carlos, give me your final word on what you think will be happening. Just prognosticate for January. I think mid-January, like you said, I think the first that first show, January 15th, might be in trouble. Um, just with how many people I, I talk to people and my friends are in New York and stuff like that. Um, you know, without going too far into it, like I keep saying all episode, uh, with the actual, you know, ins and outs of COVID, um, I think people will have boosters. I think people who had had COVID during this like moment right now for the show for SNL will be better. Um, but I think that'll take a minute. And like you said, it's what, three weeks away. So I'm thinking the second show of January is on and I think they'll do a limited audience and then we're going to be back to normal. That's just, that's what I'm thinking slash hoping. Yeah, same. I, I think that's, uh, that, that'll be interesting to watch. And I don't think, I wouldn't expect to get any information about this until after the new year, at least, uh, at least until, you know, probably January 3rd. Um, or mid midway through that week of January 3rd, I think was when we would next know something. So there'll be like a little bit break between now and then to see how things develop. Um, and then the other interesting note, obviously, is like, what did they do with the hosts? Like who is going to host those three episodes? Because there was a big question in 46, if they were able to get hosts, uh, that they normally would. And now it'll be interesting. Do the big name hosts want to do SNL if there are certain restrictions on there? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Then you kind of can go back to some people who are already in New York, maybe, and yeah. have them, you know, be do it instead of like people who have to get on planes. Uh, you, you, I mean, there's tons of people in New York. There's tons of people that we would want to see as hosts who just live there down the street. So, I mean, Jimmy Fallon, huh? Yeah, could happen. He easily just goes downstairs, right? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, that was, um, I don't know if I mentioned this on Saturday, but I do know for a fact that Jimmy and um, Seth were on standby on Saturday at one point. So I left that I left that out of the timeline. Oh, I interesting. Told, I was told that they were on standby to potentially join the cast for that evening if they needed to, because and I think that was probably very early on when they started to see how many people couldn't do the show that night. Mm. They basically had called Jimmy and Seth and said, like, hey, get ready. Um, so uh, they were prepared to come in at a certain point, And then that was canceled. I would have liked to see that, too. Yeah, that would be interesting. Okay, that is all the questions we have from the patron feedback forms. Carlos, is there anything else from season 47 or SNL in general that you want to make sure we cover tonight? Um, well, first off, yeah, I am a really big fan. I know I kind of <laughs> was the Debbie Downer at times. Ooh, Debbie Downer, amazing sketch. Um, yeah. You said you, you don't know, like puns. I know. I'm just, this is the podcast. Just call it the podcast. I don't mean to do them. Um, I just, I would love this show so much. It's such a, a great place, like I said before, for people to come together and just have a moment, if it's just an hour or so, to not think of all the craziness that's going on in the world. So I think it's super important to have. Um, I also watch a ton of other sketch comedy, 
And I think people, you know, turn to comedy when we're down and, and when the world beats us down a bit. So I love the show. Um, I'm really, really excited about Aristotle and Sarah. I love them to death. I thought they destroyed, uh, pun intended, on the, the news desk. And I just can't wait to see them, you know, be written more into sketches. I think you mentioned this, but they were in, uh, Sarah was in that <laughs> terrible sketch. Um, in my opinion, the, um, what's it, the pimp walk sketch. Oh, with, yeah. Yeah, which again was fun and Billy had fun in it. But I just think it didn't go anywhere. And like okay, Sarah's walk. in it. Yeah, there you go. It's it's gonna haunt my dreams, that that sound. Um and then he had a pimp walk in the corner for some reason. But yeah, like Sarah's in there, but she's doing nothing, right? She's not giving us Sarah. So my hope is that next year we get, yeah, more Aristotle, more Sarah. Um and I'm I'm not the big fan of what's his butt's name? The one you got Wait, someone uh the three name person. J- James Austin Johnson. I, really? I I didn't want to even bring it up, but because I'm going to get hate. But no, it's okay. Okay, I, okay. I just lot, don't. I don't get it. I know. I don't get it. I don't. He's got great impersonations, but for some reason, like yeah, he's he's my least excited thing for 2022. Okay. Do you want to elaborate, or you just want to leave it at that? I could leave it at that and just back backwards walk out of this podcast. Like yeah, you're Simpsons. Simpson gif your way. Yeah. Know. I think that the short answer is that I've been meaning to like talk to you about it um, is I think he's very good and competent and very good at um, Trump. I don't want more Trump. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know how many people really do. Uh, I don't want him as a real person or I don't want him as on a sketch comedy. So that's not something I'm looking forward to. And his bit playing like kind of small sketch characters he's done hasn't like wowed me. So, so you don't, yeah, you don't me, want more of this. You know what? Could I get 60 more seconds, please? You don't want that. How do I eject my seat? Can <laughs> I? I don't have the eject button. I need. I need to install that for next time you do that. Yeah. Sure. No, I don't want more of that. Um. Anyways, I, I shouldn't leave it on a down note. I love SNL. How about that? Good. But you know what? I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you sharing opinions. It's okay if not everything is perfect. I mean, we, again, uh, I love to you know analyze the show. Uh, as objectively as possible. And I totally respect if people don't necessarily feel it in, in exactly the ways that I do. But uh, I am mostly positive about what we've seen from season, the first half of the season. I'm excited for what we're going to get in the second half of the season. If it wasn't for all of this craziness that happened this last week, I would be like the momentum we are seeing is is real. So, right. um, yeah. So TBD, we'll see what's going to happen. Um, Carlos, you did absolutely fantastic with us. I know you are a podcaster and a sketch comedian, so you are totally natural to be on the show, but just really just great job being on with us today. Oh, Hey, thanks. And yeah, I'm super excited about 2022 for SNL. Um, yeah, I just, I'll I'll watch your guys shows as well and maybe be back on, but you know, I just, I want, I I'm always rooting for them. I I write stuff every day. We talked about earlier. I, I do a lot of sketch comedy on TikTok right now and, and that Instagram reels and YouTube and, when you do stuff, um, you know, in that kind of a setting, you get that immediate reaction and either they love it or they hate it or they don't care, which is the worst, uh, the apathy, apathy. But I almost feel like every time I watch the show, I'm like right there with them. And I, you probably feel that same way where we're rooting for the writers, we're rooting for the cast. And so I never like want them to fail. I'm so excited for each sketch to destroy. Um, I had to say that one more time. So, yeah, I'm just excited to see what happens. Yeah, for sure. Please tell the listeners where they could reach out to you, Carlos. 
Uh, on TikTok, I do a lot of comedy stuff. It's right there. You can see on the thingy. Carlos Rodella, just my name. And then uh, Carlos Rodella Comedy on Instagram. And then YouTube.com slash a lot of things. Yeah. Well, great. Please check out everything that Carlos is doing. And I would like to say, uh, I know some people don't normally stay for the plugs, but listen to this one, okay? So we've had very fun shows on the SNL Network this week for the Paul Rudd Show. Even though it wasn't great, even though it wasn't exactly what everybody thought, we've had a lot of fun. So we have the Hot Take Show, the Roundtable, and this show with Carlos. But, you know, we're not just going to disappear for the holidays. If you are at home and you, you know, are thinking about, huh, I would love some good SNL content. Join us on Monday night because we're going to have a very fun show. It is the biggest show we have ever done at the SNL Network where we have eight panelists on. I haven't edited it down yet, but I believe we recorded for over three hours and 15 minutes for that show. It is a long show. It is a draft. So basically, put yourself in the mind of Lorne Michaels, which we've done a lot tonight, and imagine that it is the start of season 47 and you are booking hosts But this time, you can go back in time and pull any host from their prime and put them into season 47. So if you wanted to take Buck Henry from the 70s or pull Tom Hanks out of the 80s, you can do that and book them for season 47. Once they are booked on a show, they can't be booked by anybody else who's on the panel. So it got really chaotic. Mm. And really crazy because people were stealing each other's hosts. It was one of the most fun shows I've ever done. And I really encourage you to check out that show on Monday night. It is a great show to relax and listen to over the holidays. Awesome. Yeah, it's like Fantasy League. Yeah, it's 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 a really fun show. Um, so I, I look forward to all of you for listening to it and giving us your feedback. So check that out on Monday nights. And we also are attempting to drop another special show throughout the new year as well. And of course, we'll be back at the start of the new year for all our coverage of our January shows. So looking forward to all of that. Want to thank Carlos and all of our listeners for joining us tonight on the Patreon feedback show. We will see you next time, everybody. Have a good one. See ya.